You're listening to a North Valley Community Church podcast. For more information and resources, visit us online at northvalleychurch.org. Well, good morning. We are getting ready to go off to Mexico just a couple of weeks. My family and I are going to load up and head down there with a number of folks from here in the church, and we're excited about that. So, um, man, next week, uh, pray with me uh, this week, but hopefully next week I can share with you the family that we're going to build a house for. And so it's just a really cool experience to be able to do that. And so uh, next week, you don't want to miss it. Uh, we're working real hard to try to... Uh, uh, identify and communicate uh, uh, the family that we're going to be building the house for. Um, last week, I mentioned to you about our kind of our shortfall in the area of this mission trip. Uh, last year, we took about 60 folks down there and built that house. Uh, the cost of the house has not changed in the last 12 months, uh, but the size of our group that we're, you know, every missionary contributes a little bit financially to, to cover the supplies and to help uh, the organization, we're taking half the size of the group. So I called them the Dirty 30 last week. We're taking 30 individuals. And uh, so with that being said is we do not have it in our budget uh, to be able to cover the, quite the deficit. I communicated last week, if you would prayerfully consider giving above and beyond your regularly giving towards the hope offering, that would really help out. Um, so as of Thursday, I was grateful that I saw $880 came in for the, so we, yeah, we can celebrate that. Uh, we got to get all the supplies though. We're still short about $4,100. So if you're not going on that trip and you want to play a big part, I want to challenge you to consider making a gift, any amount to help us partner with us to make sure that we get the supplies, get that house, uh, ready to go. That would be really encouraging. So uh, next week, I hope to share with you that family. If you want to make that contribution towards uh, Mexico uh, missions, you just write write it and put in the memo line, Hope Offering. That's where we fuel a lot of our local and global missions and scholarships and and all that stuff. So I want to encourage you to, to do that. Well, let me pray, and then we're going to jump into uh, kicking off this message. So, Heavenly Father, thank you for missions. Um, thank you for worship. We're worshiping this morning, and we're, we're being filled up and, and, and communicating our gratefulness, uh, Lord, to you. We pray and we receive all that that you have for us today. Uh, fill us up and, and change us, Lord. And Lord, where there is not worship and people not worshiping you, might we be filled up in such a way to move out and to share and show love, the love of Christ so more people will worship you. Thank you for today. Pray that this message would challenge us and encourage us and exhort us to live more and more like you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I like to kick off my message with something fun, and I want to share with you a story I heard recently. Uh, please don't get offended by this one. Um, this is just a joke, okay? I heard about this man. He was sitting in a dark restaurant, and he, he, he said to this lady that was sitting right next to him, he whispered and said, hey, would you like to hear a blonde joke? And she said, uh, it was really dark. She said, well, before you tell me anything, I need you to know that I'm blonde and I'm six foot tall and I'm a professional bodybuilder. He said, oh, okay. And then she said, well, the lady next to me is blonde too and she's six foot two. She's a professional wrestler. He said, oh, 
And the lady next to her is blonde and she's six foot five and she's the kickboxing champion of the world. Now, do you really want to tell me that blonde joke? And the guy sat there and goes, eh, nah, I don't want to have to explain it three times. <laughs> oh boy. So all my blonde friends, don't worry. You're in good company. We're just having fun. Hey, this morning what I want to do is I want to teach you about God's Word and what it means to live on this pathway to purity. Um, the Apostle Paul had, had taught on it last week just a little bit, and as we're moving through this letter that's written to the church in Ephesus, uh, he addressed that subject of sexual purity last week, and I, I highlighted some facts and statistics and kind of the cultural challenge that we face in that. And then this week, he brings it back up as part of the way that you and I need to live the Christian life, this challenge to live a life of purity. Jesus said this. He said, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Do you want to see God in your life? Do you want to see the power of Jesus Christ and, and the, the life that God could do? Do you want to see a powerful movement of God in your lifetime let me tell you something, purity is connected to that. When you're living completely in an impure uh, lifestyle, what happens is I think your vision gets clouded, it gets darkened, and you find yourself in discouragement and depression and shame and guilt, and you can't see God. Jesus said, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Today, I want to help you to see God in your life by living a life of purity and to stay on that pathway. It's not an easy pathway. Who's this message for? It's for the singles. It's for the students. It's for the young man, the young woman, the empty nester. It's for the married couples. It's for everybody. Paul's writing to the church in Ephesus and calling them to a radical cultural, countercultural lifestyle to live this life of purity. So here's what I'm going to do, and here's what I'm not going to do. What I'm going to do is walk you through the biblical truths of following this pathway to purity. Next week, I'm going to talk to you about the pathway of living a life of integrity, and that's going to be really important, so don't miss that. Today, I'm going to highlight the truths to live this life of purity, and I'm not going to be able to explain all the details in the core verse that we're going to cover, but the big truths that I want to challenge you to apply into your life. So let me read the passage, Ephesians 1, 5, 1 through 7. The Apostle Paul says, therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loves us loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you, as is proper among the saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not become partners 
with them. Whoa, that's a challenge. The Apostle Paul is calling for a life of purity, purity of heart, purity of mind, purity in your behavior. And he's challenging the Christians who are living in a sexually crazed culture in Ephesus, very similar to the culture that we have today. First truth I want to reveal to you is that, uh, in the, the, is if that if you could show me who you follow, I could show you your future. Who do you follow on Twitter? Who do you follow on Instagram? Who are your friends on Facebook? Who, who are the people that you look up to or you like a lot? J- the Apostle Paul says, you need to follow this one person. This one person is Jesus Christ. He says, be imitators of God as beloved children. In other words, what he's saying is the Christian life is like a life where you need to follow your heavenly father. As a kid, I had a dad who was a, a great dad, even despite my idiocy, if that's a word. I was an idiot. And uh, my rebellion, I chose to go my own way. But as a kid, I, I wanted to be like dad. When he was mowing the yard, I had a plastic mower just sitting right beside him. Uh, when he was out working, I would be right there working. Maybe you saw in the video, uh, Maya, my little girl, she had a hammer and she's hammering on that house. And I don't think she was even hitting the nail, but she was hammering. And as kids, you want to be like that. The Apostle Paul reminds us that we need to be imitators of God as beloved children. That we need to walk in love. What does that mean? It means this. It means follow Christ as your example and you will walk in love. When Jesus Christ becomes your example, you learn how to walk in love. That's the first thing the Apostle Paul said to do. You better walk in love. So how do you do that? It's by putting others' needs and wants above yourself. This is something that's really important to do. It's you're to put other people's needs above yourself. Uh, Jesus did that. He sought out to to always uh, to give his life as a ransom for many to serve. He said, I came to serve and not to be served. I think one of the greatest challenges that we face in our culture in this confusion of love is we've confused love deeply by thinking it's something that we just feel. No, friends, love is a choice and a commitment that you make. And so what can happen is, is we've got to understand that Jesus Christ is our example. Then we will learn to walk in love. But there is a concern. If you follow the culture as your example, you will walk in the opposite, that is lust. Love and lust are uh, completely opposite. Lust is a counterfeit of love uh, created by, by Satan. And this idea of lust is about putting others putting your needs and wants above others. When we lust, we want to take from other people. When we love, we want to give to other people. When we are enamored with a culture uh, of lust and we, we value things like the body, the brain, and the bucks, it becomes our mindset that we just want to take, we want to value the things that are worldly and they are wrong. In our culture today, there's a lot of divorce. Much of the divorce that I see in the United States is due to a counterfeiting work of Satan, where God created love, Satan creates lust. People say today, well, I don't love this person anymore. 
what they've actually done is they've misunderstood love. What is love? Well, love is what Jesus Christ has done, sacrificially loved us. Even when we were unworthy, he loved us. What do we need to do if we're going to walk this pathway of purity? Number one, we've got to follow the leader. That's a business practice and a business term too. Uh, The greatest businesses learn who are the greatest industry leaders in my area of influence and they follow the leader. Your leader must be Jesus Christ. If you're going to follow this pathway to purity, you're going to have to do that. Ed Sheeran is a singer, songwriter. He's on my playlist. I like a lot of his songs. But I'm concerned at times that we've, uh, in our music, what we've done at times as listeners of music is we blindly embrace the lyrics and the ideas and we listen to them and then they confuse us and then we wonder why we're struggling. The song, uh, The Shape of You, I'll spare you from trying to sing it, but I'll read some of the lyrics in it. He says, uh, I'm in love with the shape of you. Oh, I, oh, I, oh, I, oh, I. Oh, I, oh, I, oh, I. I'm in love with your body. Now, I started thinking about that. Is there anything wrong with being attracted to the opposite sex? Absolutely not. No, it's how God made you. He wired you that way. You know, I'll be honest, real, real quick, real honest with you. Um, what attracted me first to my wife was how beautiful she was. Then I decided I better get to know her because beauty is not everything, right, in a relationship. Like, it's important. You know, I want my wife to look good, and she wants me to look good. And she tells me, hey, honey, she'll pinch something on the side. I say, hey, back off. You know, she says, get to working out, be healthy. I'm like, yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. But here's something wrong, is if we love the shape of people more than we love the soul of people. If your love is driven by physical attraction, something is deeply wrong with you. Love is not a contingent upon the shape. My question to Ed would be is, Ed, what happens when her shape changes? (laughs) Does you fall out of love? Because the shape will change, amen? Amen. And so here's the deal is like we've confused love with lust and lust is a counterfeit. This this song sounds more like lust. It, it, It should say this. I'm in lust with the shape of you. Oh, I, oh, I, oh, I, oh, I, oh, I. I'm in lust with you. The shape of your body. So... Here's what I'm saying is we've just confused it. And what I want to tell you is that the world will tell you to have safe sex. The Bible teaches you as a single to absolutely abstain. Our educational system drops the abstinence by choice uh, opportunity in sex education in today's culture. Our whole system is a little backwards. And so I want to tell you, please live very, very different. Uh, why is, is abstinence important as a single? Um, 
I read a statistics and research this week about uh, uh, teenagers that engage in sexual immorality or premarital sex. They have extraordinary rates of depression, anxiety, uh, mood disorders, addictions. It's just not good. And and the same goes if you're having sex outside of marriage and cohabitating. Let me knock on that just for a moment, uh, challenge that idea of cohabitation. Um, Cohabitation is um, not a good idea for practical reasons. Um, uh, There is absolute complete evidence and research to show that if you are sleeping together, cohabitating, and the, the relationship goes bad, like maybe he's abusive verbally or physically, or she's abusive verbally or physically, or you're just realizing this is not a good fit. Maybe the other person's not even a Christian, and you're a Christian, and, and you're like, this isn't good. It will take you three to four years on average to get out of that relationship because you're sleeping together. Uh, You've united yourself with this person physically, perhaps even financially. You've tied everything together. So to tear apart is really, really difficult. My challenge to you is, would would you gamble with me to say, God's ways are probably better, and I want to do that. And then be at ease and go, okay, I know I'm in a place of grace where I believe in the gospel, and this church teaches the gospel of scripture that where sin increases, grace abounds. And so we got to take these steps. Step number one on the pathway to purity, you need to realize that purity is God's will and way of doing things. It's God's will for your life. Um, when the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Thessalonica, he says, you want to know God's will? Stay holy. Live a sanctified life. Abstain from sexual immorality. That's God's will. It's God's will is always to follow the life of Jesus Christ. Our best example is Jesus. Years ago, when I was a kid, we had the commercial come on with uh, Michael Jordan. Best basketball player ever. I know everybody likes LeBron, but Jordan was sweeter. Okay? And so Jordan came out with these commercials. It was Gatorade, and it was Be Like Mike. Be Like Mike. Watched it this morning. I was like, ooh, man, yeah. I can't hoop if it saved my life. I'm a terrible ball player. But I remember that commercial, and the challenge is for us is we've got to be like Jesus Christ. We've got to realize, step number one, purity is God's will and way of doing things. And that means it's probably not like our way of doing things. It's different. So if you find conflict, you find challenge with this message, if I'm offending you, I'll tell you, I'm I'm trying to be honest to Scripture. I'm trying to tell you that I understand, like the prophet Isaiah said, God's ways are not like our ways. And I've learned that so many different times in the Christian life. So what do you do as a single if you're going to do God's will and God's way? I want to tell you something. As a single, focus more than anything on the friendship. Because if you marry that person, man, you need a friend. You need a partner in life to do life. The most successful marriages, you whittle them down. And what they have is they have a common commitment to the friendship. They love each other. They pray for each other. They care for one another. You want to be the best single you can be? Be a good friend to people. You start mixing uh, physical intimacy into that thing, you blur everything and you can't see God anymore. 
That's the consequence of sexual immorality. What about for a married couple? How do you uh, do purity, God's will, and God's way? You communicate your desires. You communicate what's going on in the area of your moral and pure purity lifestyle to your spouse. And you say, hold up. Whoa, 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 whoa. I don't feel comfortable doing that. Well, you need to. I'll get to that more in just a minute. But you got to communicate to your spouse. Uh, step number two, don't get off track. Don't think uh, sex is, is bad. Sex isn't bad, but it was made for marriage. You got to trust me on this. Uh, Proverbs says, trust in the Lord. Lean not on your own understanding. In other words, your understanding is not always God's understanding. Amen. Let me try that again. Uh, your way of understanding is not always God's understanding. Amen. Okay, we're here. Okay. Uh, and so the reality is, is that you can't get off track. You've got to realize that God has a designed uh, sexual intimacy for marriage. For some people that come out of an abusive background, uh, this topic is really challenging. And sex doesn't seem like a gift. It seems gross. Um, but the Bible teaches that, that sexual intimacy within the context of marriage is a wonderful thing. Why did God create it? He created it for procreation, for sure. In the very beginning of Genesis, yet we're to fill the earth. One of the greatest ways you could make disciples is make babies and then disciple those babies. And then those babies grow up to disciple their babies and it just keeps propagating. In fact, did you know uh, Islam is, is one of the fastest growing religions in the world they are not the largest, Christianity is, but they are growing by procreation. Why? Because a lot of Westerners and uh, in, in Orthodox Christians have this mindset they want the best life, the, the wonder, and they have like 2.5 children and that's it. And in other parts of the world, they're having tons of babies. Well, anyway, so what, what did God make this for? He made it also for pleasure. Um, in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, some of you guys want to highlight this, star this, checker this, circle this 10 times. 1 Corinthians chapter 7 verses 3 through 5 says that you should not deprive one another of sex in the married relationship, that you can't deprive each other. Now, there are some, some clauses in there. It's by mutual agreement. Woo, mutual. Mutual agreement. And it's for a limited time, not all the time, a limited time. You're like, how long is limited? I don't know, a couple days maybe, week, two. There could be medical issues, so you got to be obviously understanding in that. And the goal is to give, it's not to take. The goal is love, not to lust. But the Bible teaches this concept. And then what about for the singles on this? The singles, the Bible teaches this idea that, and he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 9, and I'll just read it to you. He says this, um, verse 9, he says, but they, if they cannot, speaking to singles, if they cannot exercise self-control, they should marry. For it is better to marry than to burn with passion. My sister uh, you had a full-ride scholarship to Grand Canyon University. Wonderful girl, brightly educated, wonderful, beautiful young lady, my sister. She tells me about a year and a half earlier on a ski lift on sunrise in the White Mountains, 
She says, uh, Ryan, um, the kind of man I want to marry looks like this, acts like this, lives like this, believes these things. And I'm like, man, you are too picky. And then she says, and if I ever find him, I'm going to want to marry him so fast. Well, guess what? She found him. And this guy fit everything. I kid you not. I could not believe how perfect was her list to the guy that she got. So then she tells our family she wants to get married like in no time. I'm talking no time. And the whole family's like, what? Then she says, and I'm moving to Boulder, Colorado. He wants to go to Boulder, Colorado. He's like an aerospace engineer. He's on his way to his PhD, smart young man. So then she's like, I'm leaving. I'm going to Boulder. I'm like, you're like 21. Like what in the world? You got a full ride scholarship. And then she tells me, Ryan, I love this guy. He's a good man. He's got a godly character. But I have to tell you something too. We want each other. And I've, I'm geared for him and he's geared for me. And I don't know if I could wait with him. And he doesn't know if he could wait with me. And we want to do it right. And I thought to myself, I changed my stance. According to the apostle, Paul said this very same thing. And I think parents and friends, you need to realize this too. Sometimes in American culture, we think, no, you can't get married until you have X amount of dollars or you have X amount of education or you have this debt paid off or you're in this position in your life. But what about the Bible? What about this issue of purity? When the apostle Paul says this, but if they cannot exercise self-control... They should marry, for it is better to marry than to burn with passion. I stand corrected. So I tell my sister, it's a great decision you made. I was wrong. Let the Bible change your views. God's ways are always better than our ways. We've gotta, we can easily get off track. You've got to realize, too, that uh, the gift of sexual intimacy is like a, it's something that brings warmth and life into the marriage, uh, at my household during the wintertime, we like to start uh, from time to time little fires in the chiminea or here on the campus. We'll, we had an outing the other, just last night with the high school students and had a fire. And those are great, but you got to have rocks and a fire ring or that fire will get out of control. If I was to instead say, yeah, we don't need the chiminea tonight. I'm going to build that fire on, right underneath my porch. My wife would come out and say, you'll burn the whole house down. And that's how sexual intimacy is outside of the context of marriage. Is it a good thing? Oh, it could be a great thing. But you put it in the wrong place and it will burn everything down. You've got to realize that God's ways are not always our ways and that we can easily get off track. Number, two, number three, step number three, you've got to accept reality. Purity will not be easy in a world bombarded with sin. The world is filled with sin. The world is corrupted by sin. Um, you and I are not in bondage to sin because of the power of Jesus Christ, and we can't overcome our temptations, but there is sin everywhere. You look at your phone, and you stumble around, and you find sin. You look on TV, and you're watching the football games, and you're like, whoa, there is sin. You're sitting there, and you're reading the newspaper. You're looking at everything. There's sin everywhere. There's sin everywhere and in everything. And Jesus promised to reverse this curse and we're experiencing the beginning of this kingdom, but that kingdom has not yet fully come. And we live in an imperfect world. So let me tell you something, friends. You're gonna struggle. And spouses, 
to act like your spouse would never have this struggle is to put he or her on a pedestal that they will simply just fall off of and you will perpetuate and expound guilt and shame. And instead, you be a grace giver and accept good Christian theology to say, purity is not going to be easy. How do I know that? Well, even the apostle Paul said in Romans chapter 7, he said, I do the things that I do not want to do. Last week, I, I mentioned to you how there's two desires, and you feed the evil desire, it will grow big and large and run or ruin your life. You feed the good desires, it will run and rule your life. Two dogs is what the chief said. And so you, you, you've got to accept reality. This is not going to be easy. I remember years ago when Leslie and I were dating, uh, we met and, uh, and got married within nine months. And like I told you, I remember she walked across the gym at the church, and I was like, man, that is a beautiful girl. And I had a long ponytail, and she did not think the same thing. <laughs> she was like, he, he needs to cut that thing if he's going to come hang out with me. <laughs> so I got that thing cut quick. And, uh, you know, the, I remember when we met, though, I mean, we just fell in love so quick. And I felt like she was my soulmate, you know, like I just like, Lord, you created this woman. She's wonderful. Thank God she's beautiful. And I was just enamored with her. And I'm human. H-U-M-A-N. I had to slow down on that. And I, I'm telling you, I'm human. And why, why do I tell you that? Because you're human too. And, and you've got desires that are good and evil in you. The Apostle Paul did, so I know you do too. And so my desires of the past life were desires for lust, not love. I got into relationships to see what I could take, not give. And so when I get into a new relationship, even though I'm a brand new Christian, even though, and I'd been walking with the Lord for a good little while there, but even though I got a new life in Jesus Christ, let me ask you something. You think I was ever tempted by the old desires? Yeah, I was. And so what happened is in the relationship, I had to tell her, I, had, I said, sweetie, I can't just like hold hands and hug you. Like, I can't just give you a little kiss on the cheek. Like, I can't do that. Like, I moved first, second, and third. I want, I just like you. And, and you know what? I talked to a friend of mine and he's a pastor and he says, no, Ryan, these are God-given desires. You guys probably need to get married quick. And, uh, and then I remember Leslie and I struggled. And I felt guilt and shame, and I couldn't see God anymore because I felt that I started to walk into shame and guilt. And I said, I don't want to live like that. And I said, I'm sorry, sweetie, but if we're going to do this thing right, we're going to get help. So I reached out to my friend, and I said, hey, I want to tell you where I'm at. I'll tell you what's going on. I'm not living quite to the level of purity that I want to, and I, I'm feeling guilt and shame. And he said, man, I want to help. And so it was a hard conversation to have. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to show you what he showed me. Step four, it's get on God's AAA insurance policy for purity. It's, it, now, let me explain the terms and the conditions. Uh, this is what most people missed. I remember Lance told me, Ryan, the best thing you can do is abide in a relationship with Jesus Christ. If you abide in a relationship with Jesus Christ by spending time in prayer and God's word, you will bear the fruit of patience and self-control. That's what most Christians 
Bible teachers and, and writers and communicators don't tell you when they're talking about purity. What they tell you is you need what? Accountability. I'm going to tell you, no, what you need more than anything is not a moral police officer in your life getting you in trouble when you do something wrong. You need a radical relationship with Jesus Christ that wins over, far over, the desires of the flesh for the desires of the righteousness and the good things of God. And when you spend time more with God, what happens is, is fruit begins to bear in your life like patience and self-control. And I remember I took that really seriously and I said, okay, you know, I'm going to spend more time in prayer and God's word and fill up on that. And the Bible tells us in Galatians that fruit of the spirit is patience and self-control. So you can't walk this pathway to purity without an abiding relationship with Jesus Christ. If you are, you're doing what's called moralism, just good works. You're not connected to the flow of life, Jesus Christ. You need an extraordinary power in your Christian life. Secondly, the second A in the AAA insurance policy for purity is to avoid. You got to flee before you're tempted. You don't see how close you can get to your temptation. Rather, you see how far you can stay away and run from your temptation. I don't know what's tempting you. Is it this? Then throw it. And I wanted to throw it, but better not. You you got to figure out whatever it is and then back away from it. And when you get tempted, you run from it. That's what the, the biblical command is, is that we're to avoid temptation, not by flirting with temptation. And so many of you do that. I know you do. Stop flirting with temptation. And I'm not looking at anybody particular. Every time I give a message like this, somebody comes up to me and goes, dang, why were you looking at me? And I'm like, I'm sorry. You were just a point of reference. I'm just looking around. So I'm not looking at anybody. But fleeing from temptation, you don't see how close you can get. You see how far you can stay away. And when you stay away, friends, then the enemy can't touch you because you're away. You're gone. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And when you're walking in purity, you can see God. And when you're not walking in purity, you can't see God. You see a distortion of God, a different version of God. You don't grasp grace. You don't grasp righteousness or holiness. You, you grasp a version of that. And so uh, how, how, do we, how do we deal with this? I think uh, the third A could be is authenticity. It's authentic. Man, that's what the whole world needs right now is just be real, be honest. Uh, Be open and honest and share your struggles with someone. Proverbs 27, 17, you guys probably know the verse. Uh, For many of you who have been a Christian a while, iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Let me push back on that just for a moment. Uh, When the writer of Proverbs wrote that, I don't think he's excluding that you can't have accountability uh, or authenticity with the opposite sex. My wife is perhaps my greatest accountability partner and the one I want to be the most honest and, sh- and share my struggles with. Why? Because she's safe. And when you uh, uh, communicate your struggles or your challenges with somebody, um, they better be safe people. You, you don't want dangerous people. 
And you want people that have a grasp of God's grace and God's truth. And also, if you do this in the marital relationship, guess what? God's geared you, wired you, gifted you, blessed you, that you are to safeguard one another and help one another on this pathway to purity. Maybe if you're single, I would say, yeah, I don't think you should find another girl and say, hey, can I tell you my struggles? That'd just be weird. Don't do that. I would find another godly guy who's not struggling like you. (laughs) That's bad. Like alcoholics don't need to go to alcoholics and be like, hey, I'm really struggling with alcohol. Me too, man, let's drink a beer. (laughs) Like that's just not gonna work. You gotta find people that have experienced freedom from their sin, gotten distance behind that death. And so authentic, be open and honest. And so here's what I suspect. Maybe over the next week or so, there's going to be some conversations. I I know how always this this goes. The wife says like, hey, so how did that message hit you? And then the guy's like, well, yeah, it was good. Yeah, good. And she's like, well, tell me more. And he's like, I don't know. Yeah. I got my friends I talked to. No, I would challenge you to push back and say, listen to me. You commit to the gospel of grace, but you commit to the gospel of truth too. And you get help. You be open and you honest and you share your struggles with someone. I want to challenge you to maybe to check out a free online program, Bible study called Purity Boot Camp for Men and Women. And kind of the uh, stereotype is, is that the purity battle is only for men. That's not at all true at all. Um, there's all sorts of research that indicates uh, that reality in fact, uh, it's, it's a, a larger growing segment of women that are struggling uh, with all sorts of uh, impurity and pornography and the such. And so I want to challenge you in that. Listen, when you walk a life of immorality or impurity, you are exponentially higher at risk for depression, anxiety, um, uh, mood disorders, addiction, and uh, memory problems, smoking, tobacco use, alcoholism, it's just not good. So what do I tell you? Live the life Jesus Christ has called you to live. You're going to find more freedom in that. Um, if, you're, if you're married to somebody who's got some really big struggles, uh, then what you do is, is you, you, you pray for them, you help them, you talk to them, you apply grace, you apply truth. And you partner with them to help them. Some of you may be married to an unbeliever and you say, well, how do I even start with that? What do I do with that? You do not get a divorce just because you might think this is a big struggle that you can't overcome. First Peter chapter 3 tells you that you're to witness to your spouse even if they're unbelievers. A lot of times uh, people, uh, when we read that text at the very end of the tale passage, it says, therefore, do not become partners with them. They take that to mean that you should just get a divorce if your spouse is struggling in this area and calling it adultery. I get it. Is it adultery? Yeah, but I bet all of y'all have committed some level of mental adultery in your lifetime. Or coveting. And coveting is connected right there to immorality, according to the Apostle Paul. And so I say to you, 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 you stay with it. You stick with it in your marriage. As a single, you create new alliances to keep you stronger on your pathway to purity. And you're on your way, friend, to a better life, the best life in Jesus Christ. Amen.
All right, let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. I pray that we would apply this truth. Lord, you, you brought it up twice to the church in Ephesus, and so, so did I here at North Valley. And I thank you for your word and that your ways are always the best ways, and we want to live by that. And Lord, where we fall short, might we just turn away from our sin, confess it like we talked about earlier, and find healing in our confession, knowing that you give us grace and mercy. Where sin increases, Lord, we know grace abounds, and we're thankful for that. And so, Lord, I pray for life change, uh, commitments to purity. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, I want to share with you a testimony of a, a, a gal in our church uh, who recently made a decision uh, to proclaim her faith through baptism. And she's a part of my neighborhood group. And it's just cool to see when you guys are giving and serving here at this church, you're investing into life change. And it literally changes people's lives. So watch this story of Sarah about how she shares her experience after being baptized. All right, so how exciting today you just were baptized. Can you tell us a little more about what brought you to this place and how God's been changing your life? Um, I'm really excited. I, this is the day I was waiting for. Um, uh, what brought me here today um, to reconnect with my faith, um, I was with uh, a man for 24 years and he left. Uh, me with my son and um, I felt broken and alone and didn't think I was going to be able to make it through this difficult time, but I started praying and I heard him tell me that I was not alone, that I didn't have to fight this battle by myself, not to be afraid, and at that moment I just felt a peace in my heart and I felt that his arms were around me and um, that's what brought me here today. And. I've not felt alone. I've, I've gone through the struggles, and I know that it will continue to be a struggle, but I know that he is with me every step of the way and has not left me, and today I wanted to let him know that I'm there too. Well, that's so exciting, and we're really happy to be a part of that story with yeah. you, you know, and I'm just a good friend. Yeah, God continues to strengthen you and encourage you. And yeah, he's helped me in so many ways. I've never really truly understood the power behind his name yeah. until I started praying, and this has happened to me, and it's just, it's amazing. It's just amazing, and this journey is, is amazing. The peace that yes. he brings, you know, amen. All right, Sarah, well, thank you so much. We're so happy for you. Congratulations. Yeah. Oh, that's exciting. I am new. All right. All right. Thank you. That's pretty cool. Let's celebrate that for you. Hey, let me, let me pray with you for a moment. Maybe today is the day where you go, you know what? If I were to die today, I have no idea if I'd really get into heaven or not. My life is filled with all sorts of impurity, and I need healing and help. So let me pray with you uh, just there silently from your chair Heavenly Father, I thank you for the testimony of Sarah. Um, Lord, the Bible says is that when a sinner turns from their sin, the angels in heaven rejoice. We thank you for that. That happens a lot here at North Valley, and we're grateful for that. Lord, for my friends here today that say, I feel separated and lost. I cannot see God. Lord, I pray that today is the day they pray a prayer simply like this. Dear Lord Jesus, I confess my sin. I acknowledge I am impure. I am wrong. I'm, I'm in need, and I need you to cleanse me of my sin. I confess that today. I believe in you, Jesus, to forgive me of my sin, to cleanse me of my sin, and make me new. 
And I confess you as my Lord and my Savior. Take over my life. Change me. Make me new. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, hey, if you prayed that prayer, I encourage it and tell a friend that you came with or maybe just fill out that connect card and say, hey, today I made a decision for Christ. And, and I want to encourage you to be baptized on Easter Sunday. No better time to get baptized than Easter Sunday. And uh, that'd be awesome. In a minute, our ushers are going to come forward and receive an offering and just realize that when you guys are giving, what you're doing is you're funding and you're fueling the ministry and the missions of this church. So thank you ahead of time for doing that. All right. Thank you for listening. To become a supporter of North Valley Community Church, give today at northvalleychurch.org.